Cumulus Station. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can always reach me there. I say this every night. I don't know that it's ever been more true than it is today. I know it's been sort of an overcast day. A little unseasonable for June. Maybe a little bit cooler than you expected. You haven't been able to spend time outside. But there are days where I feel even more blessed than usual. And I say every night that I'm blessed beyond measure. All reasonable measures, all unreasonable measures, just undeserved, unmerited favor from my Lord and Savior. And I hope that you recognize how blessed you are in this life as well. I hope this finds you and yours doing incredibly well. And if that faith conversation is one that you haven't had, and you're interested in having. It's why my DMs are open on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm willing to engage in that discussion with you anytime that you would want to have it. And if I'm not the person you want to have it with, I sure hope that you can find somebody that you can talk to about it because, boy, do I feel blessed today. I feel blessed to be alive, to have the health that I do, and sometimes it's just amazing to think what... God gave me to be able to do for a living and to be able to sit behind this microphone. I don't take this privilege for granted and you guys mean the world to me because I'm nothing without the audience. I'm nothing without Ryan Mudd and Ryan Albanese and Jimmy Harper and the people behind the glass that make me sound so much better than I would. Otherwise I am nothing without everyone else. And I hope that my part of this being entertaining and informative and things of that nature. And we're going to be bringing some new things to this show and to this brand in coming weeks that I really think you're going to like. That's going to spread things out a bit in a different direction, but in, in a way that I think is really going to kind of encompass where we want to go with this show. But I am just so thankful and so grateful for the grace of, of Christ. I know that's a word that you're really not supposed to say, on radio, but I have no choice but to open this show today, and maybe one day I'll be able to tell you why this mood has hit me even stronger today than usual, but never forget, folks, you are loved. You are loved, and you are not alone. So let's talk about some sports. 123-109 last night, Toronto Raptors over the Golden State Warriors at Golden State. Toronto now a 2-1 series lead. I talked about luxuries, and what I'm going to do over the first couple of segments tonight is is contrast a few things. And the first thing I'm going to do is, earlier this week I mentioned that because Toronto couldn't close the deal in Game 2, as they should have, honestly, but couldn't, that made it okay for Klay Thompson to sit out last night if there was any question at all about the condition of his hamstring. If he's not 100%, don't put him out there. The hamstring can get worse. I joked I didn't have a medical degree, so I wasn't sure what I was talking about. But truth be told, I have found out now and have 
listened to and read some people that do know what they're talking about. And yes, indeed, it could get much worse. So you don't put him out there. Maybe you've got a puncher's chance to win. The Raptors have no business winning that game last night. Or pardon me, they have no business losing that game last night. But that put all the pressure on them. And this is a team that hasn't necessarily responded well to pressure outside of Kawhi Leonard before he was a Raptor and even since with what he was able to do in Game 7 against Philadelphia and what this team did when they were down 2-0. And really, and I have one of you guys tweet me this, maybe they earned their stripes in that last series against Milwaukee when they were down 2-0 and the bench came alive. And you know what? You're right. Now they won three of those four games at home, but they've also played fairly well on the road during this postseason. But the Warriors are out there like the knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. No arms, no legs. It's just a flesh wound. Steph Curry's the only guy on the floor wearing a Golden State uniform that can get his own shot. We know that. But they had a luxury because the worst thing that happens if they lose game three is they fall behind 2-1 in an on-serve series. And that's a tennis analogy. Until someone breaks serve, it's on-serve. Break serve means, I'm not even going to tell you, you're smart enough to know the answer to that. You know what's going on. You're listening to a sports radio station. No one has broken serve yet is how you could look at this. This series is basically still going exactly as it expects. Now, Golden State has to win one on the road because they don't have home court advantage in this series because of their lackadaisical nature of play during the regular season. But Toronto, if things go the way that they should go in a series, you should win every game at home, right? So Toronto has won two and Golden State's won one. Now, it didn't happen that way because both those teams have won one game on the road, but it's still two games to one. So winning game two gave Golden State the luxury not to try and rush anything. There is now news out that Kevin Durant will not play in game four tomorrow night. Klay Thompson is expected to play, and I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he'd better play. The luxuries, the lazy boy recliners, the sectional sofas with the beverage holders, all of that stuff... That stuff is being wheeled out of the Golden State residence right now. The luxuries are now gone. If they fall behind 3-1, they cannot come back and win this series. And they may well, this thing may have finally gotten the better of them. Right now, Vegas, for the first time during this long years and years run for Golden State, they are not the favorites to win the NBA championship as of today. BetOnline.ag has them both, meaning the Raptors and the Warriors, at minus 110. It's a toss-up series. I think it's 10 to 11 are the odds for both teams. That still shows a tremendous amount of respect for the Golden State Warriors. But Klay Thompson's got to play. There was a luxury. They used it. They took their mulligan. They had an extra life in Mario 3 after they lost that raccoon tail and went back to the small Mario and then fell into a pit. Now if you fall into a pit, you're dead. Could you come back from 3-1 down? Sure. Cleveland did it against Golden State with a couple of things going in their direction. The problem for Golden State is they are so banged up that there's no way any of them... Let's say Kevin Durant does come back in Game 5 and Klay Thompson comes back tomorrow. Looney's still likely done for the season. Cousins, did you see DeMarcus Cousins trying to run the floor last night? I tweeted this out from at Jmart Zone. He looked like a guy who really wanted to play well. It was not a lack of effort from Boogie Cousins at all. And if you've read anything, he tried so hard to get himself back to where he could play in the NBA Finals because he really wanted to play. 
in an NBA Finals because you never know if he ever gets another chance to do so again. And so he came out and he had that great game in Game 2. Now, the numbers weren't eye-popping, but they were. it was an 11-10 ball game for him. And it looks like that's all he had. Last night, he's turning the ball over. He's falling over. He's lumbering down the floor like he has no knees. His body looks like it has had enough. Not his mind, but his body. He's kind of like, he's not old. I mean, he should still have a wide career, but he needs another offseason to really try and take care of his body from coming back from what he already came back from, not to mention what happened to him about you know four or five weeks ago. But there's always that talk of the athlete that stays around too long because their mind still understands it and still knows how to do it. The body just can't handle it anymore. And so very few of them are able to walk away in the prime of their career because you have to walk away while you can still play in order to not walk away when you can't. That's logical. But DeMarcus Cousins had nothing last night. Nothing. And I spent the first segment of last night's Big Six discussing Draymond Green and how his attitude change has led to better basketball. Now, he jawed a little bit at the officials last night. He was playing a little bit more on edge, and I think that's because there was frustration there because Toronto is a great defensive team. I One of the biggest things that I maybe did not realize is how good a defender Fred Van Fleet can be. But... Draymond Green still ended up with 17 points last night. He had 17 and 7. Six of those rebounds came on the defensive end. He was 3 of 3 from the free throw line. He was 2 of 6 from 3. That's about standard for him. Iguodala gave you 11. But everything else was about Steph Curry, which we know. But the rest of this lineup, I saw somebody in the media last night tweet out, that's still a really good starting five, meaning Green, Iguodala, Cousins, uh, Curry, and Livingston. I mean, no, it isn't, first of all. You've got one guy that you can rely on offensively. You've got some other guys that you like, some veterans who have won championships, but Iguodala can barely move. Draymond Green is not someone you can go to for offense. Cousins is barely able to walk, and Sean Livingston has been a bench player basically his entire career. I'm not sure, ladies and gentlemen, that that starting five is even NBA postseason worthy. That's like a team that would struggle against Blake Griffin's Detroit Pistons. I mean, they have no shot. I said that the Raptors had no business losing last night, and they didn't. Credit to the Warriors for making them play as long as they did. But when you've got Jonas Jerebko getting you some serious minutes in this game, double-figure minutes, McKinney giving you 18, Bogut's out there for 22, Quinn Cook's out there for 27, that's not a recipe to win. Those guys are good for about 8 to 10 minutes max, and Jarebko shouldn't be out there in double figures. He just shouldn't be. He was one of three from three and one of six from the field. The Warriors for the game shot 39.6%. Curry was trying everything he possibly could to win that game or to keep him in it. He's diving for loose balls late, and I'm thinking to myself, Steve, get him out of the game. He's going to get himself hurt, and then you're really going to be done. Toronto should win this series. And I think that there is a question, and maybe it's one we'll address a little bit later on in this show, as to whether or not you're really going to credit them for winning this championship if, in fact, they do win it. Because did they really beat the Golden State Warriors? I mean, they did, technically, kind of. But we've got to see what Clay's got when he comes back. We've got to see if Kevin Durant even comes back. If he has, he's already not played more than half of the series now that it's known he's not going to play tomorrow night. 
Iguodala's been hurt in this series. They lost Kevon Looney, and I know you roll your eyes and say, oh, not Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney was great all season long for this Warriors team. He is a tremendous rebounder. He is a great on-ball defender. He is very good in the paint. He was someone that truly added to the depth of a team that did not have very much of it. And that's the difference between this team and the one from three or four years ago. It's the bench depth. They've still got some guys, but they don't go nearly as deep as they used to. And they certainly do not go as deep as the Toronto Raptors can go if and when they need to. Toronto Raptors last night. 30 from Kawhi Leonard. 23 from Lowry. 18 from Siakam. 17 for Gasol and 18 for Danny Green, who also has finals experience with the San Antonio Spurs and shot six of 10, all of them from three to get to those 18 points. They also got 11 from Fred Van Fleet. They got six guys in double figures, five of them with at least 17 points. Yeah, you're going to win a lot of games like that. I actually think it's amazing that they only won by 14. I think they should have blown them out even further. The Warriors just kept chipping away, but they can't. They could never get inside of about seven. It would get around seven and then Danny Green would make a three, or Lowry would make a three, or Van Vliet would make a, make a three, or Leonard from the top of the key would make a three. The Raptors were just deeper and better last night because the roster the Warriors have is barely even playoff worthy. And I will argue to the death anybody that disagrees with me on that one. So that's one contrast. They had a luxury to lose last night by keeping Clay Thompson and to give him extra rest so he can come back fresh and so that you don't risk nearly as much at least, further harming that hamstring. That luxury is now gone. The recliners are out of the apartment. Now you've got to have him play on Friday night. Up next, another contrast. How do you go from hero to villain to hero? We will discuss. This is the big structural systems. Tony Barnhart talks college football with you every Saturday. Presented by Strouds Barbecue and by Tennessee Steelhaulers. Saturday mornings at 9.15 on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back into the Big Six here on a Thursday. A little bit of a rainy Thursday here in the Music City. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Many of you already do. And you guys make me smarter every time you send me something. That's one of my goals on this show is to hopefully make you a little bit smarter and learn something along the way. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. I can let you in on this. Not a secret, but dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I told you I wanted to contrast some things here tonight. The next contrast is doing it alone and how difficult that is. One thing that I've learned in my faith journey is that we were not meant to do life alone in any capacity, including growing in faith. You can sit around. I'm just going to give this example. You can sit around and you can read Scripture 24 hours a day, seven days a week, sitting in a recliner at home, and you can learn it word for word. But unless you're engaging with other believers or you're engaging with other people that haven't heard the message or serving or giving or doing those kinds of things inside of community, your faith is eventually not going to grow. It's like a plant without the sun. And so when you apply it to sports, how many times do you actually see people do it alone in team sports? Now, certainly Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt or 
Katie Ledecky, or any number of individual sport athletes. I'm going to exclude them from this connotation. But in team sports, there's always that mantra of he put a team on his back. Kawhi Leonard, you could say maybe he put a team on his back to beat Philadelphia because he's the only one that you could really rely on, especially in Game 7 to win that. And he would not let them lose. And we've seen that throughout time. But putting you or putting an entire team on your back for a season or an entire playoff run is very difficult to do. Even Shaq needed Penny. Kobe needed Shaq. Then Kobe needed Pau Gasol. And they needed some role players. Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Or Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. Kevin Garnett needed Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. He couldn't do it. As great a player as he was in Minnesota, Kevin Garnett couldn't sniff even the playoffs most years when he was in Minnesota, when the second-best player on that team was Wally Zerbiak. You go throughout time. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was able to win. He did have Shaq on his team. It wasn't quite the same Shaq, but still a dominant Shaq that year. Maybe Dirk Nowitzki. And then there have been team wins like the 4 Pistons where you had Chauncey and Rasheed Wallace and just a collection of guys that maybe alone aren't Hall of Famers. Maybe she is. I don't know. We're having debates right now about whether Andre Iguodala is. By the way, I don't think he is. His stats are not Hall of Fame worthy, but that doesn't necessarily talk about the breadth of his game. I just look at Andre Iguodala, and I see that's a really clutch guy that you want on your team. And one of the arguments is, well, was he ever the best player on his own team? The answer is yes. When he was in Philadelphia, absolutely. But he's been a better contributor since he has not had to be the number one guy. He's a freak athlete, one of the smartest basketball players in the history of the game. If he were to get in the Hall of Fame, I'm not going to come on this radio station and bury it and say, what a terrible decision. But when I hear Hall of Fame and Andre Iguodala, those two, those two things just don't go together. And my litmus test is always, when you say name, Hall of Fame, if I don't say yes, then probably not. If I have to think about it, probably not. I don't believe in that. Well, he's a nine. He could. I'll go. I'll let him in in the eighth year. No, you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. But last night, and this is quite a stat. Steph Curry became only the second player in NBA history to score 47 points and lose in the NBA Finals. The other one was LeBron James, who, of course, every year. The discussion centers around, does he have enough help? And depending on whether you like LeBron James or not, that's how you get to your answer there. Unfortunately, it's not objective enough to just say yes or no. It's, well, I don't like LeBron, so yeah, he's got enough help. He's not holding his end. I mean, Skip Bayless last night's going off about Kawhi Leonard and say, boy, it's a good thing everybody else showed up because number two sure didn't. I mean, number two had 30 points the last night. And number two was lumbering up and down the floor because he's hurt. He's really banged up because he's been playing a ton of minutes. But you know why Skip Bayless went after Kawhi Leonard? He used to love Kawhi Leonard. But Skip Bayless is a San Antonio Spurs fan. And Kawhi Leonard left that franchise and didn't do so in the best of ways. Went to Toronto, so he became public enemy number one. That's unfortunately the way it is. But that guy gets paid millions and millions of dollars to spout that crap on a nightly basis. But Steph Curry last night tried to do everything he could. 47 points, had 17 in the first quarter. He wasn't 50% from the field because he was taking off-balance stuff with three guys in his face because they knew 
the Raptors knew all they had to do was try to shut him down. He was 6 of 14 from 3. He was 13 of 14 from the line. He was aggressive. He had 8 rebounds and 7 assists and 47 points in 43 minutes. It was one of the greatest individual performances I have ever seen in a moment like that. And again, he's not the biggest guy, and he's on the floor diving into Fred Van Fleet trying to get his hands on the ball. Or actually, I think it was Kyle Lowry. He is doing everything he can. He had 17 in the first quarter. They were still down 8. He had 47. They lost by 14. There is nothing more he could have done. And I saw somebody say only Michael Jordan could have won this game. I don't think Michael Jordan could have won it either. Because you think Michael Jordan was going to go for 47 as well? Maybe. It's not like that's guaranteed, first of all. But you can't just put a bunch of guys that can't get their own shot that are offensive liabilities. You can't put them on your back to score against a team that's scoring the way the Raptors did. The problem with being able to do it alone is that Draymond Green had to guard Kawhi Leonard. That didn't work out as well. As great a defender as Draymond Green is, it left other guys open, and it tired Draymond Green out. If Klay Thompson is out there, they can switch off with him and Siakam. They can move somebody out. The problem was, because Draymond was constantly having to deal with Kawhi, and Steph's not a great defender, it left shooters open all night long, and they buried shots. I told you, Danny Green was out of his mind last night. Kawhi got good looks. Lowry got good looks. Van Vliet got good looks. They got looks that you shouldn't be getting in NBA Finals games against great teams. The Golden State Warriors are a great team. This roster is not a great team. But Steph Curry last night proved any doubt or wrong in my eyes because the effort was there and he did everything he could. This looked like Steph Curry was at Davidson. There was a guy, I think, in the second row that you kept seeing when the hard cam was out there and he was wearing a Davidson 30 jersey. And never had that felt more appropriate than it did last night. Steph Curry gave everything he had. I mean, he he was not going to leave anything up to chance as to his effort. They, You started to feel like, as the fourth quarter began, this is a lost cause. They're not going to be able to come all the way back. But boy, if he didn't try. And other guys did start to play better around him. Draymond made a couple of shots. He's never necessarily good to make a three, and he made two. Iguodala had missed 11 before he made the dagger in game two. Well, last night he was two for six. So they made four threes between them. The problem was the other guys just made too many shots and had too many open looks. I mean, they shot 52.4% from the field, folks. 44.7 from three. And how about this? They were 20 for 21 from the line, 95%. They did everything right. That's what the Toronto Raptors should have done. They should have been uber confident and played loose as a result. I thought they might play tight because the pressure is on them because they knew they should win this game fairly easily. And so every time it would get to six or seven, I was waiting to see mistakes being made by Raptors, and it did not happen. So it's a 2-1 series now. But how many guys have ever been able to do it alone? That's the contrast. Steph Curry last night, thank goodness I did not see social media erupt with the, see, Steph Curry can't do it alone. Because had that happened, all you would have had to do is respond with, well, who did? Who really ever has? Eventually, you've got to have help in this life. I might be strong, but I still need help lifting that couch up the steps. By the way, that's two sofa references I've made in this show tonight. That's got to be some kind of a record.
you've got to have assistance at some point. I mean, you can think about John Elway going to three Super Bowls. Probably the Broncos had no business going to two of the three of them in the 80s. And I'm a Broncos fan, so I can speak to this because I hated it as a kid watching us lose those three, three Super Bowls to the Giants, the Redskins, and the Niners. But the Broncos weren't the best team, but they had an all-time great, I still think maybe the greatest quarterback of all time in terms of a pure athlete and just the talent for the position in John Elway. I know Tom Brady's the GOAT. I'm not going to argue against that. I just think Tom, John Elway played that position to a degree we've never seen. Him and Montana are just kind of untouchable to me. But Elway got them there, and then he wasn't enough to beat better teams. You rarely see one guy able to overcome a bunch of others. Why didn't I pick the Raptors to beat the Bucks? Because I thought only Kawhi could I trust, and that all those other guys who had failed so many times just wouldn't be up to the challenge, and finally Giannis and a deep Milwaukee team would be too much for him. Turned out not to be the case. So Steph Curry last night, despite 47 points, despite all the extra bells and whistles that he brought to his performance in Game 3, still just was not enough to get them home. But it was still an amazing performance. And I can't imagine who would have won that game in his spot last night. Maybe you could have put somebody out there who was also a better defender. But the thing about that is that takes a lot of your energy. Why is it that LeBron James isn't playing defense anymore? Because he can't at his age. LeBron James has to pick one or the other. So he picked offense. I've got a score for the Lakers. I've got a score for the Cavs the final year. So my defensive efficiency numbers are not going to be first-team All-NBA as they had been in the past. I have to sacrifice defense to score for my basketball team. If Steph Curry's playing defense, he's still going to tire himself out, even if he is an elite defender. So he's not going to be as effective. He's going to be more fatigued, so some of those threes are going to come up short. You've got to give and take. There is a compromise in the offense and the defense balance in the NBA, especially in the postseason. So Curry got 47, and he was flying all over the place trying to play defense. He's just not a good defender. Objectively, he is not a good defender. Like Kyrie Irving is not a good defender. Like James Harden, even though he has gotten better, is still not a good defender. There are a lot of guys that are not good defenders. And a lot of them are the most dynamic of offensive players. Curry gave the effort. I can't believe how effective he was for as long as he was. But his arms would have gotten tired. And he was chasing everybody around the floor. So when you sit there and you watch what we watched last night, we can marvel at what Steph Curry was able to do. And we can look at that, even though they weren't able to win, and we can just say, look, this is not a game that Golden State should have been even close in. And they still had it single digits over and over and over again, and the Raptors just had to keep making shots. And they did. They kept them at arm's length throughout the game and then finally pushed them over. Then finally, Steve Kerr got Steph out of the lineup with a couple of minutes left. It was an amazing thing to watch. The Raptors did what the Raptors were going to do because they're a team that's not dealing with injuries. And the Warriors are battered. Did you see Dan Rather's tweet last night? Yes, that Dan Rather. Always known for his colorful imagery. Remember Chris Parnell on SNL, whenever he would do the Dan Rather, it would always be the crazy analogy. Back to the old fishing hole with my father. That's what it reminds me of, like that kind of stuff. Well, last night he said that the Warriors are more beaten up than his dad's, his, his dad's 35 Oldsmobile. Well done from Dan Rather. 
Did not know Dan Rather was tweeting, but that was a solid Dan Rather tweet from Dan Rather. When we come back, I did not actually get to this. Another contrast, hero to villain. And then we're now seeing villain back to hero. It's kind of fascinating. Big Six rolls right along here on the Group Credit See Store for details. Can't get enough of 1045 The Zone? Head to our website and click on the podcast page for original content and highlights from your favorite shows. Get the best from the Wake Up Zone, Midday 180, 3HL, and Big Six. Plus, check out originals like Speedway Soccer, Step One, Learn Sports, The Pop Six, and more. While you're there, subscribe to our podcast page for Apple and Google Play to have them download straight to your smartphone. Check it out now. 1045thezone.com slash podcast. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Thrilled to have you with us as always. Finishing up live and local here on The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. So we've been talking contrast tonight, and we've been pretty exclusive to Game 3 of the NBA Finals and the NBA Finals as a whole because it's the biggest story in sports, certainly. And last night was fascinating on a number of levels because of how depleted the Warriors were. This from, to me, the best movie of all time, certainly my favorite. Harvey, when their enemies were at the gates, the Romans would suspend democracy and appoint one man to protect the city. It wasn't considered an honor. It was considered a public service. Rachel, Harvey, the last man who they appointed to protect the Republic was named Caesar, and he never gave up his power. Harvey, well, I guess you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's a great quote. That last one is the one that I really want to focus in on. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Okay. This relates to the Golden State Warriors, and then it reflects back on itself, which is amazing. They were heroes when they first came around, and we saw this beautiful brand of basketball. Mark Jackson's last season, and then Steve Kerr taking up the mantle to coach that team in 2014. And everybody loves Steph Curry, and they love Klay Thompson, and the Splash Brothers thing was so much fun. And there was a whole lot of smile when Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes is on that team. It's likable. They're up and down. The building looks lighter than every other building in the league. It looks like the building you want to be in. Not coincidentally, I guess. Well, I mean, it is coincidence, but I want to pretend like it's not. They also wear gold, just like the Nashville Predators. Two of the best atmospheres around that time, emerging very similarly. It took a little bit longer for the Preds to quite get there. But the Predators and the Warriors became places that's a bucket list for a sports fan. I want to go see a game there. I want to go see a home game there and be a part of that atmosphere. So they were heroes. You cheered for them. Even if they weren't your team, you just liked watching them play. And then they became the powerful. They became the Caesar. And they didn't want to give up the power because they wanted to be what we call in sports a dynasty. And when you're a dynasty, you make enemies real quick. The New England Patriots, the Red Sox even you could put there a little bit. Maybe not a dynasty, but winning a lot. The Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, Larry Bird's Boston Celtics, Shaq and Kobe. Certainly the Warriors now, Alabama, Clemson might be on their way to becoming a dynasty. Dynasties are amazing and they're necessary to our interest of sports because we need the boogeyman. We need 
I guess I'm going back to John Wick here. We need John Wick. We need somebody that looks like they can never be killed. That you have to wait until there are nothing but zeros on the clock and the game is over and you have more points than they do to actually feel good about winning. Because you never know. They were so good were the Golden State Warriors. And then they went and grabbed the best player in the world in Kevin Durant from Oklahoma City. And the circumstances by which he left the Thunder made him a little bit less of a hero, made you kind of roll your eyes a little bit at him, and then he joined a team that had won 73 games. And this became the super team of all super teams because by this point we already said, okay, Steph Curry is a Hall of Famer. Klay Thompson appears to be a Hall of Famer. Draymond Green might be on his way to being a Hall of Famer. They've got unbelievable role players, and now they're going to go get Kevin Durant too. After blowing a 3-1 lead in the finals to LeBron only because Draymond Green got suspended and Andre Iguodala got injured, those two things happened. They went and grabbed Kevin Durant. And so, the hero became the villain. Because now you can't cheer for these guys. Even if you like watching them play, and I didn't. All I did was want to see them get beat. And I have, I have talked about how great dynasties actually are that we really want people to get close to beating them and not finish so that the chase continues. To the pro wrestling side of me where I worked for nine years, and of course I host Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone and have with my great friends, Brandon Hagney and David Reed for the last five and a half years. The chase is where the money is. You don't put the championship on the guy the fans want it to be on. Because they don't want to watch that guy just hold the championship and walk around as a title reign. They want that guy to be screwed over and over again to almost get to the mountaintop and then fall. And usually by nefarious purposes by a villain so that eventually when that hero does vanquish the foe, we feel like we have been there for the entire journey. We will pay over and over and over again to see the hero almost beat the villain. Once the hero does beat the villain, then what? When you're at the top of the mountain, what's left to do other than climb down the other side of the mountain? And so the Warriors, I wanted to see them lose, but maybe in the back of my head, I kind of liked that they kept on winning. Just like I kind of liked that the Patriots keep escaping because it gives us something to root against. It gives us something to pay attention to. It gives us some level of narrative that wouldn't otherwise exist. And that's what the Warriors became. They became a bunch of superheroes. They became the Avengers. They became the Justice League. They were loaded. There were no excuses for them to lose. And guess what? They didn't. Kevin Durant came in. They've won back-to-back championships. He gets hurt this year. Now they're on the ropes. And that's where this gets interesting. Because they went from hero to villain. And now somehow I think they're back to hero because I was actively pulling for Golden State to win last night. Even though I love Kawhi and I really would love, I like the story of Toronto winning. I really don't want to see Toronto win this series now. I want to see Golden State do this with what they have because there is, whether or not you're ready to admit this, I saw Jason McIntyre, who was the first ever guest here on this show, on the Big Six last July. Of course, formerly of the Big Lead, and you'll see him on Speak for Yourself and other Fox television shows and other things. He's got his own show that you can hear on the weekends here on The Zone sometimes on Fox Sports Radio. Jason McIntyre tweeted out last night about that very thing. He said, at what point are we going to start attaching an asterisk to the Raptors if they win this championship? Remember the Rockets won too, but they did it while Jordan wasn't playing. And so 
A lot of people don't give them full credit. I still have asterisks next to Kevin Durant's championships in Golden State because of the team that he joined. Sometimes I try to erase those asterisks and give him the credit, but it's just so hard because I still feel like Golden State would have been able to do it without him. He just made it a little easier. But the Raptors are playing against the Warriors, and I just did that in air quotes, which is bad on radio, I know. They've got Steph, yes, and he is the engine. And they've got Draymond Green. He's the energy. But they don't have the best player in the world in Kevin Durant. They were unable to play with Klay Thompson last night. We don't know how good he's going to be tomorrow, even though he is going to play. Iguodala's hurt. Boogie Cousins is only two games back from an injury. It had him out for a month after just a couple of months ago coming back from an injury that had him out for a year, and it's a torn Achilles that sometimes no one is ever able to come back from, especially in basketball. They have very little bench, and so right now we can go back to cheering for the Warriors because they are absolutely the underdogs at this point. Now, Clay comes back, maybe it's even at that point. Because the Splash Brothers are together and you have a large part of that core, including Iguodala and Draymond Green, you have four of the guys that were there pretty much for this entire run. But you've got him older and you've got Iguodala who is just, he's been there forever. He's like 70 years old now. I thought Andre Miller was the oldest man in the league. I think he's finally out of the league. Iguodala's old and still contributing. But you can pull for this Warriors team because they really shouldn't win. Now, if Clay comes back, that changes. Because I've said they should win, even without Durant, even though it would be harder. But without Clay, last night, the hero that had become the villain again was able to become the hero, put on the cape and the cowl, and we could cheer for them in a way that I don't know that I've been able to for at least four or five years. And maybe it was a one-night thing and an aberration, and tomorrow if Clay's back and they go off and start shooting the lights out again, it immediately flushes back, and I don't like this team again. But really, the Warriors are still pretty easy to root for as long as Kevin Durant's not on the floor. It's not because I don't like Kevin Durant. It's because Kevin Durant being there seems to make it unfair. And I still like the idea of an even playing field. But no better villain than the one that seems completely overpowered that you can't stop. That's even more intriguing. But right now, the Warriors... Just as Dan Rather said, look more beaten up than his dad's 35 Oldsmobile. Game four awaits tomorrow night. It's must win, I think, for Golden State. And Klay Thompson, whatever he's got, he's going to need to score. Because we saw last night, Steph with 47, still not enough. We'll be right back. Big line at GaryAshton.com. This is Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, and you're listening to the official station for Titans football. Touchdown! 104.5 The Zone. Short segment to finish up here today on the Big Six. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. Dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through Rent Estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renner's Warehouse, the Rent Estate Company. I'm Jason Martin. I'm blessed beyond measure. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. This is my last show of the week. Uh, It's awesome to have pinch hitters that are as talented as the ones I had last week with Jonathan Schaefer and Austin Huff. And Austin's going to be in tomorrow for me because I'm going to be in for Don and Brent on 3HL with Mickey Ryan. We're going to have a lot of fun. But if you still want to get your solo J-Mart fix, I have no idea why you would need that in your life. But if you do, I will be in not just for the Jason Martin show on Sunday morning from 2 to 5 on Fox Sports Radio. But also, 
Saturday morning from 1 a.m. to 5, and you'll hear all of that here on The Zone in for Jonas Knox on his program. The opportunities that keep coming my way, I, I just, I'm blessed, folks. And I'm so thankful and grateful. And anybody that, that has given me support and continues to do so and just says a nice thing, man, it, it means more than you know. It is surreal sometimes to just look at my life and where it stands. All glory to God. So Kyrie Irving, according to Stephen A. Smith, is set to play for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, who knows whether or not that's actually going to happen. He also said, did Stephen A., that the Kevin Durant decision, according to his sources, is if Golden State loses, he stays. If Golden State wins, he's gone. I don't think that's going to stop him from from leaving because when Oklahoma City lost, he left. Of course, he was a part of that team and actively on the floor. I, I just feel like he's so in his feelings that it's always going to drive him crazy that some people aren't going to give him full credit for winning these championships because he joined a super team that was already a super team before he came there and made them a super-duper team. But Kyrie Irving to the Nets is really intriguing because that makes Kyrie Irving your alpha again. Did we not learn anything, folks, from Kyrie Irving being the alpha in Boston? Where not only were the Celtics worse, but they were far worse. They looked like they hated each other. They looked like they hated basketball. They looked like they had no idea how to play it anymore. They didn't play it as a team. There became a lot of questions about Brad Stevens and whether or not he knew what he was doing after the year before. He might be the best coach in the NBA alongside Greg Popovich. Remember that story? That shifted. That shifted because of Kyrie. Because Kyrie Irving, and you know, I don't always agree with Michael Wilbon, but he was right on this, and I've said it before on this show too. Kyrie Irving is not a leader. He's a great basketball player. And really, that's all he wants to be. I could talk about his Instagram posts from a couple of days ago. I don't even know what they mean. I mean, this is a guy who did say the earth was flat, and then that he's learned since that it is not. Well, I appreciate Copernicus coming around. But Kyrie Irving cannot be a leader of your team. He can be your best player, perhaps. He can be your best ball handler. He can be a great scorer for you. But that guy's not a leader. You've got to have somebody with a stronger personality than Kyrie Irving in order to make Kyrie Irving what he is, which is a second banana robin to a Batman. That's why it worked with LeBron James and Kyrie in terms of winning that championship. I mean, they had some help, but LeBron had the personality that could keep Kyrie where he needed to be. Just go play basketball, my friend. You are awesome at doing that. I'll handle the media. I'll handle all this other stuff. I will talk to the front office. I will talk to the coaching staff. I will talk to the bench players. Just go play ball and give them high fives and do all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying Kyrie Irving is J.R. Smith. I'm not saying he's Iman Shumpert. I'm not saying he's that. I'm saying Kyrie Irving is an all-star level basketball player with about a JV mentality when it comes to leadership. There is nothing about... He looks like he's the most unhappy guy in the world. Remember I told you yesterday... And I've been reading about greed this week and about how money can't buy happiness, which is really easy to say, but it's true because how many musicians are miserable even though they're wealthy? How many CEOs hate their lives? And how many of them seek out the wrong things to try and fill their hearts because they're so empty? Well, Kyrie Irving is the equivalent of that. He seems to be utterly miserable in his life. And so he keeps on seeking out and saying these weird things and then saying, oh, no, 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 we're good. Usually when you say you're good, you're not good. Same thing as, who was it that said this? 
I'm actually doing this live on radio trying to remember who it was. Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb, last week I think it was, maybe the end of the week before, on TMZ. Now, he's asked a question about his Hall of Fame status, but he says, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm better than Eli Manning, I think was the name that he used. Let me tell you what Hall of Famers don't generally do. They don't say, I'm a Hall of Famer. Look at my numbers. Hall of Famers are Hall of Famers because we look at their numbers. An old Dennis Miller joke talked about how Frank Sinatra was always the coolest guy in the room because he flat out did not care. He knew he was, never had to say it, and everybody else would look at him and say, that guy's the coolest guy in the room. Donovan McNabb, by coming out and saying that, proved he's not the coolest guy in the room. Kyrie Irving, by his act last year, and the me doth think you protest too much, which I just butchered that quote, but I'm not even going to go back and fix that joint. We saw, based on that and based on his words, that he's not a leader. So why on earth would you give him $140 million to come to Brooklyn to be your best player when he can't lead? If you build your team around Kyrie Irving, you ain't winning nothing, folks. Nothing. You need a leader more than you need an all-star level basketball player. So I look at this and I'm just like, maybe Kyrie wants to go to Brooklyn. If I'm Brooklyn, I don't want Kyrie Irving. Austin Huff in tomorrow. He will do a great job just like he did last week. I'm Jason Martin. We'll see you. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.